0: Okay, well, we're, uh, we're in our last uh, of the three uh, messages that we've been doing this uh, weekend. Just trying to, again, think about how do we best prepare ourselves uh, for the summer. And uh, we think about oftentimes of the summer as a time of rest and relaxation. And this morning, I want to shift it a little bit. I, we're going to be talking about reaping, okay, another R word, we had kind of, kind of three R's for sure, right? So uh, reaping this morning. But, you know, as we think about the summer, and in particular Canada, uh, we live in a unique place, right? Um, I often have used this joke about like, us being like gophers. You know, we kind of, we, we have the same life cycle as a gopher in the summer. We, or in the winter, we kind of just go down and we disappear, right? And, and you know you have neighbors, but you may or may not ever see them, you know, for like six months, right? And and we're just not out and about as we normally would be. But when it comes to the summer, we try to take advantage of the outdoor time. And so people go for walks and hikes, and you know, they go camping. And there's just all kinds of recreational things that we do. And as a result of that, we see a whole lot more people as we go along. And sometimes you see uh, way more people than you'd hoped, right? Let's go to this little place that nobody knows about in the mountains for a hike. It's going to be so great. And you get there and what? Like you can't find parking, right? There's, there's crowds there. And uh, that word crowds, I, 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 it's going to be a key word this morning as we look at our text. But when you see a crowd, what's your first reaction? Is it, it's like, oh great, this is amazing. I'm so glad there's so many people here. Um, or, 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 you know, or, or is it not? It's like, man, there's this kind of, Cramping my style. You know, this is supposed to be a nice, quiet time for our family, but it's not going to be. And I want us to encourage us. There's going to be some uh, things I want us to be thinking about that you're going to encounter throughout the summer. You're going to encounter crowds. You're going to, even as we leave this morning, you're going to see fields. And I want, us to, I want those to be like visual cues to remind us of the message this morning. I want us to look at the crowds like Jesus looked at the crowds. It's, it's, and if we're being honest this morning, we rarely look at crowds in the way that Jesus looked at the crowds. And, uh, and so I want to just pray for us. I want us to, to really, uh, this would be a summertime message, but the hope is obviously that it doesn't stop in September. But this would just be the pattern of our lives as we move forward. So let me pray for us and then we're going we're gonna to get into it. Lord, we're so thankful for this weekend that we've had together. And uh, God, as we think about the different ebbs and flows of our life this summer. Lord, we pray that we would take advantage of these things, Lord, for the sake of your kingdom. Uh, Lord, we pray that it would not be about our kingdom and our well-being done throughout this summer, as often is the case. Lord, we we tend to be a lot more selfish in the summer as well, Lord, if we're being honest. And so, God, we pray, Lord, would we be God-centered. And would we be other-centered, Lord, as we go through the summer? Uh, That is where uh, true rest, true refreshment comes about, Lord, is when we're walking according to your ways, as we've talked about this weekend. And so, guys, we think about this whole task of seeing people come to faith as as we think about your kingdom come, your will being done this morning. Lord, we pray that that would be the heart of every one of us here, that, Lord, we would long to do the work of you in all that we do, um, even in a recreation time. So, Lord, would you lead us? Would you guide us? Would you help this preacher uh, to preach your word in a way that would bring you honor and glory? It's your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so everybody needs to turn to Matthew 9. Okay? New Testament, I just want to tell you how, what a blessing it was to study three verses this week, uh, verses 35 or 40. Uh, that was nice, really nice. So uh, we're going to be looking at uh, 36 to 38, and we're going to, as we go through it, we're going to look back at one verse, and we're going to look forward at one verse, but this will be the key, so let me read it. When he saw the crowds, this is Jesus speaking, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So this summer, and by God's grace, for the rest of our days, we will first be moved by unearthly pity. Unearthly pity. Unearthly, that means divine. And then pity, the definition here is sympathetic or kindly sorrow evoked by the suffering, distress, or misfortune of another, often leading one to give relief or aid to show mercy. So when we think about pity, it is to see the plight of someone else who is not doing as well as they could be. They're suffering or in distress in some way, and you see that, and it moves your heart to help in some way. And this is what we mean by unearthly pity. We see Jesus When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When Jesus saw people, he, he saw them very differently than you and I. Oftentimes, I was just thinking about this this week, and I don't know that I've actually thought about it in this way, but, you know, Jesus doing all this healing that he does, you know, he, as you go through the chapters, even just the last two chapters, chapters eight and nine, you see him uh, healing a paralytic, you see him bringing a girl back to life who had died, you see him casting out demons, you see um, him not even being physically present Uh, for a servant to be healed. You see him uh, uh, healing a leper, stretching out his hand and touching the leper. Uh, You see a woman uh, who had discharged blood for 12 years being healed, uh, healing a blind man, a person who was mute. All of these people were suffering in all different kinds of ways. And, and, And the miracle shows God's power, but maybe I think that sometimes we miss, it shows God's love and care for every one of these people. He saw them where they were at and he reached out to them and cared for them. And what's interesting as you look at chapters 8 and 9, oftentimes he did it with a touch. He didn't have to. He he proved that with the centurion, right? The centurion said, hey, don't even bother coming, right? You just say the word and I know my servant's going to be healed. And guess what? You were healed. But we see God's personal love and care in his ministry as he went around. In the previous section that whole uh, previous verse, sorry, the whole section is summed up. Verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Why is he doing that? Because he cares and loves the people. And so as he comes, truly being fully Lord, being master, being God, he comes and serves people Uh, in every sort of way teaching their hearts and minds and as he looks at the people he sees not just their physical but he also sees their spiritual plight he's concerned about where they're at and it moves him to have compassion for them he sees their hurts he sees their struggles he does not just see somebody coming and, and wanting something from him, right? I mean, you think about how many of us can be tempted to become bitter, like, oh, it seems like all people want to say something from you, or, right? Like, Jesus never thinks that way. He sees, like, no, they really need help. And, and so he looks on them with compassion. What do you see when you look at people? Do you ever do, anybody do uh, people watching? Anybody like a people watcher? Okay, like you're like, you know, you're sitting at a cafe or whatever. And you're just kind of watching people go by. Well, Heather and I, we, were, uh, we got t- a chance to go over to Quebec City uh, about a month ago now. And as we were sitting there, um, we we're just, we we're sitting at this, this, this uh, little table right out seeing the, the, the street. And I was just struck by all these different people. In a place like Quebec City where we were, all these people from all over the world, right, coming there. And, and, it, and, and, you know, some old, some young, some speaking all kinds of, you know, all different languages being spoken. But I just started thinking about, like, how many of these people are actually going to heaven? Like, how many are just lost and don't even know it? And they're just kind of, here. we're in Quebec City. This what a highlight, you know. And, and. um it just moved me in a different way as I thought about that. Who will tell these people about Christ? Will they hear? Will they have an opportunity here? I mean, there's, there's literally billions of people right now who are labeled as unreached. And what that means is there's literally no gospel witness where they're at. If we stop and think about these things, it changes us. It moves our hearts. And I I pray, just as I'm struggling through right now, thinking about this, that you are struggling in a sense that you are being moved to see what God sees. Jesus had compassion on the masses of people he saw who were currently enemies of him. He could see the misfortune and distress of those he met every day. Lomgrig well, says, Jesus' human emotions reflect a deep gut level compassion for the sea of humanity. Like that's, it's like he was, he was deeply moved, is the idea. It's not just like, oh, that's too bad. That's kind of sad. It's like it, it was, his whole being is being moved by what he sees. You know, I think, especially in a month like the one we're in right now, it's easy, uh, Pride Month. It's easy for us to be like defensive as Christians, right? We're on the defense. You know, we're maybe on the offense. You know, we're going to, we're just going to, you know, but, but are we seeing people the way that Jesus sees people? And, and, and he, he, did, he didn't fear people. He wasn't angry at people. I mean, maybe the Pharisees. He did get me. Well, let's just talk about not We're not talking about the Pharisees right now. Um, but, but when it came to the lost, he had compassion, and, and, I, and I think we, we, we need to really think about the fact that love needs to lead us as the people of God. Uh, we, we need to be truth tellers uh, because the true, most truth, truthful, or sorry, the most loving thing you can be is truthful. Right? If somebody is walking in their sin, we know that that will destroy them. It may not today, it may not tomorrow, but sin will destroy them. So the most loving thing we could say is, "Hey." I didn't make up the rules, but God does tell us that that is sin. And if we would live that way, it will lead to our destruction. But hey, let me tell the good news to you. This should be our, our demeanor when we come before people. Not hate, not starting a fight, but love with the gospel. This is what we see Jesus doing over and over and over again. Jesus, isn't seeing the people, people's uh, spiritual state, he describes them, he says here, as harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Do you guys see the sheep um, just on the other side of the lake there when you're coming in? Right? I was like, where's the shepherds? I mean, these things are not going to. Now, Canada is probably a little safer than maybe other places. But, but sheep tend to need help continually, Right? Uh, one, predators, they do not fare well against predators at all, right? They, they, if there's not somebody protecting them, they get taken out. And the other thing, they're not good at foraging, right? So you, when you read uh, Psalm 23 about leading to still waters and green pastures, like that's what they need. Or else they just like hang out on the gravel, I guess. I don't know how they, I don't know how they think, but, but that's the idea behind it. They, they, they need somebody to help them out. And we are those sheep. We are, it says, uh, like sheep without a shepherd, without Christ, without someone coming alongside them. And so these, as Jesus looks at the people, there's of course the Pharisees, there's the, the religious people, but he knows what their help is doing. What is it doing? It's doing nothing. And in fact, it, it winds up in them actually being oppressed uh, the idea here for the word har- harass, sorry, is to be pull- bullied or oppressed. And as a result of that, they're no, they have no ability to get out from the situation that they're in. Uh, Blomberg, Blomberg, sorry, puts it like this. Predators and possibly even unscrupulous shepherds have ravaged the sheep. Verse 36 provides a stinning rebuke to the Pharisees, scribes, and Sadducees. And so spiritually speaking, w- w- who's going to help these people? That's what Jesus is seeing. Who's gonna help them? The the religious people of the day are certainly not helping them. So who will be the ones who will come and help them? They do not have a shepherd. And God's people, people in general, need shepherds over and over again. We see that in the scripture. And now in Numbers chapter 27, Moses is about ready to leave, right? And and he's gonna. Uh, be with the Lord, and he's saying, Hey, Lord, you need to help them. I just want to read this Numbers 27 15. Note what Moses says. Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. He's like, I got it. You're right. Moses, good, good thinking. We do, they do need a shepherd, and I have already set it up to be Joshua. So that the people would not be vulnerable from attack, so that the people would be provided for. The prophet Ezekiel uh, spoke against the shepherds in Ezekiel 34. Yeah, it's a great text to be reminded, even what we see today. There, he says that the the shepherds did not feed the sheep, but instead they used the sheep. They were scattered. They were being devoured. The days that uh, Jesus were in were the same, and and and. I don't want to say that everybody on TBN is the same, but a lot of people, when you flip on that channel and they're just like, hey, how you doing today? (laughs) You want a blessing? Just give me some money, right? But they don't say it quite like that, but that's kind of what they're doing, right? So the Lord told me I need to have a private jet, you know? And, you know, so just give. Well, that's those kind of shepherds, right? They're still around us today. People who are not feeding the sheep, instead they're devouring them. And what's so sad about those kinds of things is what you see over and over again, it's the helpless, it's the hopeless who are giving their money to them, right? They're like, oh, maybe, maybe if I give my last little bit of money here, then God will bless me and somehow we'll make it. And so we need to be aware that there's still these kinds of people. And guess what? God is not happy about it, Right? And he sees their plight. And, I, and as we think about our country right now, there are churches who are continually kind of sliding away from what God's word says. And we need to pray for them. And this, we're going to, uh, part of our instruction this morning is prayer. We need to pray that God would bring them to repentance quickly. Why? So that the sheep might be shepherded as they ought to be shepherded. Zechariah 10, 2 and 3. Uh, spirits these spiritual leaders uh, thought they were doing pretty good, but God does not see it that way. Zechariah 10, 2 and 3, for the household gods utter nonsense and the diviners see lies. They tell false dreams and give empty consolation. Therefore, the people wander like sheep. They are afflicted for a lack of a shepherd. My anger is hot against the shepherds and I will punish the leaders. For the Lord of hosts cares for his flock, the house of Judah, and I will make them his majestic steed in battle. God wants people to protect his sheep, to care for his sheep. And so it is today. We need pastors. I've had um, a few opportunities to be a part of national meetings the last month and hearing stories from coast to coast. Uh, There is one of the biggest things that everybody's talking about is we need more pastors. We need more. Where are they gonna come from? Who will go? Who will, who will shepherd God's people? How many small towns in our provinces don't have a faithful shepherd? There's a church there, but there, is, there are no faithful shepherds. And rarely are they being fed God's word as they ought to be fed. Who will go? Who will be a part of the solution for that? Even in our cities, we're seeing fewer and fewer faithful congregations. But I believe that God's doing something right now. And if we would gather together as his people, and this is what I'm seeing from, again, these, these meetings I'm having, it's less and less, who cares who's Baptist, who cares about, you know, denomination you're from. Let's get together and let's see God's kingdom advanced. And so we need to have that kind of passion for these things because this is what God was passionate about. He's seen them like sheep without a shepherd. So as I think about, as I talk about these things, you're like, about, let's just say, the church thing I just brought up. You're kind of like, wow, well, yeah, hopefully somebody does something about that. What's, what do I got going on my week? I got, <clears throat> I got so much going on. We're going to do the laundry this afternoon. And then, and, you know, the kids still got school. And like, you see how we can get distracted from seeing God's kingdom come? And I want to just encourage us this, this morning. Let's have the heart of Christ. We care together about seeing Christ kingdom advanced. We, we ought to be sorrowful when we see the people without shepherds, when we see the lost being lied to over and over again. We need to care about these things deeply <clears throat> as our Lord did. So if you're moved with compassion this morning, what do you do about it? What's, what's, what are we supposed to do? Well, we see that in our second point. Be moved with unceasing prayer. Be moved with unceasing prayer. And he said to his disciples, probably more than the 12, it's probably just whoever's there who's actually following him at this time. He says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. As interesting as as he looks at it, he doesn't see it as a a helpless situation. He sees that the people are harassed and helpless, but he knows there's hope for them if there would be those who would go out and reach them. That the harvest is plentiful. Now, there's a lot of debate right now um, with this text because oftentimes in harvest time, and you read the Old Testament, guess what? That's the time of judgment. The last harvest, when Christ returns, the, the good will be taken away and the bad will be burned, right? The chaff will be burned. The wheat will be gathered into the barn and the chaff will be burned. That's the imagery of the last days. But I think this text is more talking about what we see in John 4, that there are many people still to come to faith in Christ, so we need to be a part of that solution, so I think it's good to keep the thing in the back of your mind that Christ is returning soon. But the, the the application of this text is let us go. Let us be a part of it. So Jesus is instructing his disciples and telling them that the harvest is plentiful. There are many people who will come to faith. There are many who will respond to the gospel. Despite seeing all the hurt around him, he sees there is hope. Flip over to John 4 just to kind of keep you going here so you're still... Functioning. John 4, 31 to 38. And uh, this is a great parallel passage to the one we're looking at. You can actually probably stay here because we're only going to have one other verse to look at. And I'm going to come back to this one a couple more times yet this morning. So, John 4, 31 to 38. A similar uh, theme to what Jesus was talking about. So, just to kind of set the scene, Jesus and his disciples are crossing through Samaria, they're hungry. The disciples move on. Jesus remains at the well. He meets this woman of Samaria. And he's been talking with her about the kingdom. And now the disciples return, verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say, There are yet four months that come then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit of, for eternal life, so the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true: one sows and another reaps, for I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have not, and you have entered into their labor. So I want to assist, we're going to take one point from this now, and then we're going to look at a couple of points on our last point here. But first thing I want us to note is he says that the harvest is right now. Uh, anybody know anything about agriculture? Okay, there's, okay, so let me just tell you how it works. They put seed in the ground, okay, <laughs> after, after the winter, okay, and then... Hopefully, as, the, as, as uh, I think I, I was not in the room, but I believe it was John who said that this morning, they need rain, okay? So when rain comes and the crops come up and the heat and whatever, and then at some point, it's time for harvest, right? In our area, it's September, sometimes October, sometimes March, you know, depending what happens. But they try to get it off in the fall, right? And so the analogy what Jesus is saying here is you're looking around, you're looking at the fields, you're like... <clears throat> yeah, it's about another four months before it's time for harvest. And you say, no, I'm telling you, the harvest is right now. And so this, this summer, as you're driving through the prairies and as you see those fields, I want the first thing to be in your mind is that the harvest is right now. The harvest is right now. Now, I love this analogy that Jesus is using because I can relate to it really well. I often think the harvest is four months away spiritually, right? I think it's down the road. So I... Get to know my neighbors. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, okay. You know, we get to know each other a little bit. Maybe we'll have a barbecue at some point. And then later, we're going to talk about the gospel at some point, right? We're going to get to it. I got some coworkers, maybe. You, you know, you go, you're like, okay, yeah, I'm going to, going to target some different coworkers and I'm going to really befriend them and I'm going to get to know them. And then what? They move, right? Your neighbors move, and, and there's no opportunity for the harvest, right? And so I want us to be thinking, no, we've got to be urgent about these things. We can't keep putting them off till later. We have to see what Jesus says. Listen, there are some people, if you go to them and you tell them a gospel, they're coming to faith this week. Do you believe that? I'm like, well, I don't know, Pastor. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Well, that's true. Sometimes it doesn't happen, right? And we're going to look at that in a minute. But we, what Jesus is telling us is that the, the harvest is now. It's not to be put off till later. And then he says this, the laborers are few. Well, it was Jesus doing the work, okay, at the beginning. Then he sends out the 12. And then he sends out 72, Right? But today, I just looked it up. I I don't know what day it happened, but we're over 8 billion people now, right? Did you know that on planet Earth? Over 8 billion people. Do we think that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few? Uh, Yeah, we desperately need to do something about it. So what should we do? Maybe we could come up with a program, right? Programs are really good, right? Like that should be what we do first. We just come up with, with with a strategy, uh, reach the world 2050, okay? So we're going to, here's how we're going to do it. And like, what, what does Jesus say to do? What's the thing that he says, maybe unexpectedly to us North Americans, what does he say for us to do? Are you still with me? It's a four-letter word, starts with P, ends with Y. Anyone know? Pray. Okay, there we go. I'm sorry, I'm going back to my youth pastor days here a little bit. Um, yeah, pray. Pray. That's the first and foremost thing that we are to do. Before we do anything else, we need to pray. When we look and we see, man, there's so many lost people. What what would God have us do? Pray. That is the first thing we must do. Morris says this, in an age like ours, we would expect a call to more vigorous and effective action ourselves. And situations continually arise when that is the right course to pursue. But Jesus points to prayer as the really effective thing. No matter how great our personal exertion, we will not be able to gather in the whole harvest. Therefore, we are to pray to him who can send out the workers who are needed. We need to pray to who? To the Lord of the harvest. To send out laborers to his harvest. He is over it all. But here's the amazing thing. He wants to use you and I. That's his desire that that we would be a part of it. And so he says, pray earnestly that the Lord would send out laborers into his harvest. And so as you think about, I love how MacArthur put it. He said, you know, usually we just say like, you know, pray for Aunt Sally and for Uncle Kevin and, you know, and that's, Lord, would you bring them to faith? He says, why don't you do this first? Lord, would you send someone? to uncle Kevin would you send someone to aunt Sally would you would you send someone to to give them the gospel that's what this text is talking about and as you do that over and over and over again what's going to happen as you make that prayer maybe I should go maybe I should be a part of the solution for that right and and so so prayer moves us not just to see what god sees but then but then to Call us to be a part of that solution. And the idea here, when we pray, is to beg for something that is indispensable. God, we're begging you. Would you send out laborers into your harvest? Would you save this country of Canada, Lord? Would you do what only you could do? Would you? Would you? As 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 people from all over the world come here, with, Lord, would you save them? Only you could do that. So God, would you send out laborers into your harvest? This is not a suggestion. This is a command for you and I to do. We are to pray that the Lord would do this. Um, our uh, senior pastor in Wise Retreat, one guy said, hey, you know, the Matthews, Matthew 9.38, set your alarm for 9.38 every day. Why? So that when that goes off, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray 9.38 I'm praying, Lord, would you send out laborers into your harvest? When you have your family devotions, maybe you, that'd be something that you're gonna on a daily basis. We're gonna pray, Lord, would you send out laborers into your harvest? Just a word of warning, parents, maybe your kids will be the future pastors and missionaries, right? But that's a good prayer, okay? So Matthew 9:38, we wanna pray that the Lord would send out laborers into his harvest. The other thing that happens as you pray this, as I've already said, and we're going to get into here in just a moment for our last point, but you then feel moved to go, right? You feel like, Lord, use me. I want to be a part of this solution. And so we ought to pray, seeing that the Lord is in control over His harvest, and then we need to pray that God would send out you and I And this brings us to our last point. This summer, and by God's grace, for the rest of our days, we will be moved to urgent proclamation. Be moved to urgent proclamation. As we cry to the Lord to send out labors into his harvest day in and day out, it begins to move you to action. Looking back at John 4, where you see John prioritizing the mission and what God has sent him to do, he says that his desire number one desire in this world above every other thing in this world is that he would do the will of the Father. They're like, hey, Jesus, you need to eat. Like, we were starving. I don't know. Like, we were snacking even on the way back. I don't know. But but like, don't you want something to eat? He's like, I have food to eat that you do not know of. In other words, my number one priority is that I would do the will of the Father. And if you look at the... Pattern of Jesus' life over and over again, what is he doing? He's praying. He's getting up early in the morning to pray. He's staying up late at night to pray so that he might do the will of the Father. And that needs to be our priority. As we go through this summer, and we're doing vacation, and we're going to, you know, different activities, start your time with not just traveling mercies, okay, whoever they are, Um, right? But, But like, Lord... Use us, use us. We want to do your will as we go. So if when we stop at the gas station, we see somebody that we're supposed to talk to, God, help us to be bold, help us to do that. We get the camp spot, we're praying for the people who are beside us on both sides, God. Would you help us to have a gospel impact for your sake when we get there, right? Like this is what it means to live a life doing the will of the Father, So, let us be moved with compassion uh, and then do the will of the Father. I I love what it says. I love to note that it says in 10.1, after he's had them pray, and he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. This is the first time in Matthew where the disciples are now doing the work. Do you think that was uncomfortable for them? Like, what's more comfortable? Sitting back and watching Jesus in action and be like, man, he's amazing. Like, every, every time he speaks, is like really incredible stuff he says. And then just look what he's doing. Like, I, I were to sit back and watch. That's easier, right? But now he's like, hey, now your turn. Now you're being sent out. And this is the case for you and I. God wants to send us out. He wants us to move beyond our, comfort, our comforts. That, that word, when he says to send out labors into his harvest, uh, it's an interesting word. Blomberg says this, send out could also be translated thrust out. And it could even refer to workers already in the field who need to have a fire lit under them in, to thrust them out of their comforts into the world of need. Now, I think some of us need a fire lit with under, under us. Isn't that true? If we're being honest, yes, we need a fire lit, okay? And, and so God, use that, do that, th- throw, uh, cast us, no, sorry, thrust us out, Lord, so that we would go out of our comfort zone in order that you, your kingdom might be advanced. When you go share Christ with somebody, is it comfortable? Is it easy? No, it is not. But the fruit of it is eternal, yeah, the fruit of it is that you and I might get to reap that which was already sown. And, and so we do it because we see with compassion, number one, what's our motivation? The compassion for the lost, right? We see that they're, they're hurt, and so we go to them with, the, with the, the thing that they need to hear above everything else. We go to them with that, and now we don't know at that point what will happen. It is in the hands of the Holy Spirit, and Weber says this: We're talking about um, just, just going to the helpless and the harassed. He says we can read his words in nine thirty-seven, thirty-eight as an impassioned plea to his disciples, whom he then proceeded to equip and commission to meet the people's needs. How many of you feel like you're not equipped to do this job? Anybody? Okay. There's a few people still awake. That's awesome. Um, Yeah, none of us feel equipped, but here's the deal. There's never a time that God calls us to do something that He doesn't also equip us to do it. Can I remind you this morning that you have the Holy Spirit of God living within you? Can I remind you that you have the Word of God at your fingertips? Can I remind you that you have the body of Christ with you? These are the equip, This is the equipping that God gives you. And as you go out, I was just talking with a brother last night about this. As you go out, ask people questions. People love to talk to them about themselves, right? And so you, you ask them questions, and then you just say, Lord, give me wisdom. Where could I put a little salt in my speech here to leave them thirsty? What would it be that I could say today? Maybe, maybe it's straight to the gospel, you know, the full thing. Maybe that's the, today's the day. Or if you're at work and you're like, okay, hey, Man, that, that sounds like a really difficult situation you're going through. Do you mind? I don't know if you know this, but I'm a believer. Can I pray for you? Is that okay if I do that? Because I care for you. Same way that Jesus is going around and healing people, you're saying, I want to be a part of the solution of your care. I want you to be loved, for, loved on. I want you to be cared for. And so I want, to be a, I want to be God's hands and feet that way. And so whatever God brings into your situation... And you just don't know what God's going to bring. We had a neighbor, he moved away now, but I mean, he'd, we'd come in at 10.30 at night, he'd be out watering his grass. I knew there was problems, okay? Nobody's out at 10.30 at night usually watering the grass. And so, and then he would come over and he'd tell me, he's just kind of like, well, his life was a train wreck again, right? And we we'd prayed, prayed with him and he knew the truth, but as of yet, no reaping, okay? Which brings us to our last point. Look back at John one more time. John 36 to 38. He says already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. So as you go out, sometimes it's just sowing. Right? But you're sowing, and you're planting seed, and you do not know what the Holy Spirit's going to do with that. I love God's plans. Isn't it amazing? Like, this is His plan to reach the world. It's using people like you and I. And, 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 and you know, one will go, and they will sow the seed, and then another will sow the seed, and then eventually, one person's going to come, Right? And and they're going to tell them the gospel another time. And that that day is going to be the day. And that person is going to have their eyes opened. That person who was dead in their sins will now be made alive to God. And there will be a reaping as a result of that. And so you keep sowing, knowing that one day the Lord may cause reaping. And that's what this is talking about here. And and note what it says, the, the eternal life. They're gathering eternal life so that what? They may rejoice together. How amazing is it when we see people who were dead in their sins brought to life? We all rejoice together in those things, right? Is there any better joy than seeing someone's life changed for eternity's sake living for God, no longer enslaved in their sins, having joy and peace in their life for the first time? Like that's what we get to be a part of as the body of Christ. And so we want to go out this summer and be faithful. Be faithful to God. We want to to pray that Lord would send out labors into his harvest and then we're, we're going to also pray, God, would you use me? Lord, I'm here. I want to be used of you. Some. As we think about this, this time of prayer, I, I, we, we want to be praying for, for future pastors, for, for future shepherds, elders in the church. Men, you should all aspire to be elders. That's, a, that's an aspiration that you ought to aspire to because you want to be used of God in whatever way that he would want you to be used. And so you're just like, okay, well, then I got to live a certain kind of life. I better get into my word so that I know it, so that I could then teach and reach other people. That ought to be every single man here. Ladies, you, uh, you I said elders. Does that mean, ladies, there's no jobs for you? There's plenty of work for all the ladies as well, right? And, and, and reaching the lost and shepherding fellow sisters in Christ, encouraging your, your children in the things of God. And I want us to pray as well that God would raise up pastors And maybe some of you will be like, I guess it's time. It's time. I've been putting it off for a long time. I've been feeling like I'm not doing what I should be doing. I've been working at an accounting firm, a lawyer, whatever. And now I feel like God's saying, no, I want you to be a pastor. God does that sometimes, doesn't he? Do you know that? And I was thinking, man, it's been a while since we had a message like this. And it's time to, like, let's just stir one another up. And I'm telling you guys, I, I, I'm so moved right now because I believe God's doing something really special in our country right now. And I, and I had those national meetings. I'm hearing story after story of people coming to faith that people would never expect to come to faith. And people are open to hear right now. Our world has gone bonkers. And people are like, uh, I need truth. What's truth? And so I believe this may be our, maybe this is it. This is the fourth quarter or the third period, whatever the sports analogy, the 18th hole, whatever, we can just keep going. But I believe, I believe this is it, maybe. This is it, and then Christ will come back. So let us go out and see that the field is ripe and, and, and let us lay aside our, all our, 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 our things that we're worried about and say, Lord, I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done. God, help me to see people the way you see them. Because what will happen, then you have to go to them because you want to be a part of the solution in their lives when you see people as Jesus seen them. Amen? I just want to close with this quote. Uh, Piper is talking about Judson. Judson risked it all to go to uh, Myanmar. Uh, Myanmar, sorry, it was Burma at the time. And, 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 and suffered greatly. But he had to go because he knew the people there had never heard the gospel. And so John Piper, reflecting on the life of Judson, who suffered much for the sake of the gospel, said the following, Life is fleeting. In a very short time, we will all give an account before Jesus Christ, not only as to how well we have fulfilled our vocations, but how well we have obeyed the command to make disciples of all nations. Let me pray. Lord God, we pray. Help us to be faithful. God, I'm so thankful that you are the one who is the Lord of the harvest. Lord, you are sovereign. You are the master. And God, I'm asking, God, would you change us? God, as we look at people this summer, I pray that we would have your heart for them, that we would see people as helpless and harassed, hurting, enslaved in their sins, God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to minister to them, that, Lord, we would go with the gospel, we go with your love, and that, Lord, you would change many people's lives this summer as we would go forth. God, we pray for your church across Canada, that, Lord, we would just see this multiplied over and over and over again, and that, Lord, we would be your hands and feet, and that we would see a mighty harvest in these days. God, we know that there are still many to come to faith. Why? Because you have not yet returned. And so, God, we pray, would you give us urgency? Would you give us love? Would you help us to walk in obedience? And would you help us to pray? Would you help us to pray? Lord, even now we pray, would you send out laborers into your harvest? Raise up many pastors, many uh, elders. Lord, would you cause churches who have gone astray, Lord, to repent and get back to the things which they once knew? And Lord, bring bring you glory and honor. So God, would you use us, we pray, for your glory in Jesus' name, amen.